Hey friends, welcome to another episode and season 3 of the Adrian Tan Show. This is my podcast where I speak with folks that are having a great impact on what we call the future of work. Beyond just the enablers and vendors who are transforming this space, I will also be including intimate conversations with people who are navigating the future of work. They have successfully transitioned to their new careers and I hope to distill their ups and downs in this unstructured journey so that the rest of us can learn from their best practices. My guest today is Joita Poda. She is the Chief Human Resource Officer at LeafSpace. She brings to the company over two decades of experience in human resources, having worked with companies like Sabre Corp, eBay, Star India, Paramel Enterprises and Sangobian in the past. Her key specializations are in the field of organizational change management, M&A, culture and people strategy, as well as leadership growth and leadership coaching. An alumnus of the Symbiosis International University, she will lead critical people strategies as well as optimizing talents at this space. The core of her focus will be in driving engagement and investing in a high-performance team with ensuring the core of the unique organization culture is being retained. Hi, Joita. Welcome to the show. Hey, hi, Adrian. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be on the podcast. I'm Joita. I am the uh, head of HR, people and culture at LipSpace. I've been with the company about three and a half years, an extremely exciting space to be in. A quick introduction, LipSpace Asia's the largest omni-channel home renovation and interior platform. We technically are one uh, stop solution for homeowners, people who are looking to design their homes or essentially looking to operationalize the entire last mile fulfillment of their homes. Headquartered here in Singapore and we operate in Singapore, Malaysia and India. Presents spans across these three countries. We've just launched our business in the Middle East and we are present in more than 30 different cities across all of these countries. We've delivered more than 100,000 homes till date and um, sold over 7.5 million SKUs through our platform. So an extremely proud moment. We recently announced our Turning Unicorn. Again, a very proud moment for us. Of course, you can find out a lot more about LiveSpace on our website. And that's very quickly about the company. How many headcounts would LiveSpace have at this moment around the world? Uh, yeah, sure. We are roughly, and this is a combination of our employees on payroll and our partner network, who we all associate with LiveSpace seamlessly. There are roughly 7,500 uh, partners and employees. 50% of these work as partners and 50% as uh, full-time employees. Our key focus today is really to discuss about employee welfare or employee benefits, as some may call it. And of course, with any uh, companies that are hiring, which require talents right now, especially in Singapore, it is a very saturated space. In your personal opinion, why is employee benefit or employee welfare important for companies? I can give you the perspective and given that you're absolutely right, we're in an extreme extremely competitive space. The, the talent availability is getting smaller. And I think what's happened as a result of the pandemic is that increasingly people are becoming more and more careful about who they want to join and where they want to be. So I think aspirations to the extent workspaces are able to fulfill that has taken a bit of a turn, I would think, during the pandemic. So I, I think the less said about welfare, the more said about welfare, the less it is. It's absolutely critical and super important. And I think we took cognizance of it 
at Live Space, especially coming out of the pandemic. There are a couple of, and I think as far as we see the benefit of welfare and the upside of it, I think number one is it it truly is a reflection of an employee's value proposition. And it's the core of the culture of who the company is. And I, I think it's a reflection in how we extend our employee benefits and welfares, not just with the pure intent of attracting people, but ensuring that once people are in your system, they feel like they're being taken care of. And, and I think that was our big learning. And I think that's one. Number two is I genuinely think it's a differentiator and it, it, it's out there. You think of some of the largest names, which are employers of choice. And I can proudly say that we've been rated a great place to work ourselves, given the size of our business and the fact that we've, we're a relatively young business. It's a massive feather in the cap. And that's, again, an extension of how well people feel cared for in the system. And again, that translates back into welfare or the, the smaller, softer things that we extend to our employees in their lifetime of being employed with us. Are you able to share some of the common employee welfares that LeafSpace is currently providing? And also, in your opinion, what are some of the common ones that all companies should really just consider since they are a no-brainer? Yeah. So maybe Adrian will answer this in a manner which which truly reflects how we extend our employee benefits. And I think it's less so in, in a matter of what's the benchmark or what's the market practice, but it's more driven by what's most relevant and what's most important to us as an organization. So I'll begin with, I think, some of the few things that we do and we do it differently. Every company offers insurance and we do that too. So it's no different. But our insurance programs ensures there is an extension of the insurance program in some of our markets to the extended family. And what I mean by that is your parents-in-law, et cetera, get covered. In Singapore, we've ensured that, and you know, this is again bearing in mind that our benefits is in tandem with our population, which is extremely young, right? So do people really care about having extensive medical coverage? Is that one of their biggest concerns? It's not. But what could be a concern to them is to ensuring that their parents are well taken care of or their extended families are taken care of. So we've extended insurance to some of our markets where we've even allowed our employees to buy a top up and write off a corporate cover such that they get a, a further benefit that they can extend to their employees. That's an example, right? There are a few other things that we've done and we realized that as a startup and we, we're a successful startup that obviously assumes that people are working extremely hard. And we want to ensure that we pay that back by at least a day and a quarter where we completely shut offices and everybody goes off on a break. So that's another extension of one of our benefits. We, we don't cut corners in terms of ensuring that the long hours that people spend in the offices are not sufficiently provided with snacks and counters and wine and cheese. And yet to the extent they feel like this can be an extension and they can take some time off. I think that's also, also reflective in how our workspaces is. We today, we today um, sit out of some of our shared offices. And I think it brings about a certain degree of um, casualness in how we operate. And that's something that we extend to all of our... It, it, and one big thing which I which absolutely shouldn't miss is we launched something called Live Care during the COVID months. And this essentially came about bearing in mind that, of course, Singapore uh, government was kind enough to cover all its citizens and its foreigners through the vaccination programs. But that wasn't true for some of our other markets. So we held a free vaccination drives for all of our employees. What we also did is there was a no question asked salary advance in the event someone needed help to tide over a situation they may be dealing with during the pandemic. We also, we also launched something like the mental health programs. And this is tied up with, with programs where we not just 
offered online or digital mental health support to our employees, but we also extended healthcare benefits, which is fitness programs to all of our employees. We have tie-ups with some of the uh, leading fitness providers here in Singapore, which gets extended to all our employees. So it's a holistic cover and falls under the umbrella of LiftCare. Unfortunately, we did lose a few of them during the pandemic, uh, which is unfortunate. And we've made a promise to their families that we'll take care of the children's education and an extension over a period of time to ensure that financially they don't feel the pinch. So this all fell under the umbrella of LiftCare. Uh, and one of the guiding thoughts that went into uh, putting this program together was a degree of authenticity. And you would see this, we've done nothing literally in, in bombarding messages around in social groups telling people about it. We genuinely wanted to do it with the true intent of extending help to our employees to the extent we could. So yeah, these are some of the examples that I could top of mind think of, Adrian. When introducing any new employee welfare programs or even looking at uh, revamping existing ones. I, I can hear from you wh what you guys have done and it's really very authentic uh, given the fact that there's even coverage for employees who are no longer with you but uh, you still take care of their family members. It really comes from what I can tell and go of uh, uh, true empathy to understand what they're going through and to provide the kind of support that you truly believe that they really require. And how do you advise companies who may be going through this phase right now where they're trying to implement new employee programs, trying to revamp the current set of programs. Are there any guiding principles, any structure, and importantly, any pitfalls that they may truly avoid given the experience that you have so far? Yeah, let me answer your first question first, Adrian. And looking at how we've thought through some of the welfare programs and benefits for our employees, the first and foremost is everyone wants to be cared for. And I think that was one of the biggest learnings that I would think that the human population in general has come out of the COVID realizing that care, giving back to society and ensuring that you stay more, co more closely connected to your families has become the most primary focus for most people. And I think that to the great resignation, so to speak, people rethinking their careers, rethinking what they want to do. And it was, and it's no different, right? So we, we essentially, uh, and the one advice that I would give to all companies, as much as it's worked for us, is uh, think of workspace as an extension of what an employee's life would be otherwise like. It's impossible. And there was a survey that was done which said that employee, most employees commented that when they are part of a family, they can't leave the issues related to the family at the doorsteps when they leave for work. And now it becomes worse because they're actually not even leaving the doorstep. They're actually in the house and it's a hybrid model and you're working through that. So you have to bear in mind that it's in as much as we want the workspace to be segregated from an employee's personal life, in reality, it's all, it's intermingling. Right. And I think every welfare program needs to bear in mind that uh, the employee will carry that extension into their lives. I think uh, one of the biggest pitfalls that I would think, and we have a very young population, our average ages in the company is maybe in the late 20s, early 30s, extremely young people. And one of the biggest realizations was that digital skills is important, right? It's super critical to ensure that this model, the hybrid model or working from home model or even working at our office model, the pandemic has really taught us to be digitally smart. But digital skill does not assume that everybody brings in a certain degree of soft skill. And I think it's the softer skills which really allows you to move out of the screen and really interact with people at a personal level. So how do you ensure that the personal connection in your conversations with people is not lost? And I think that was super critical. I think the third thing is is this entire matter of self-discipline 
And how do you ensure that self-discipline is not creeping into how people start feeling less or more productive? And that's, that's a massive pitfall for most employees. And I think the most important one is resilience, keeping up with the pressures of what the company demands, what your family demands and, and the work demands, right? Is the resilience and the adaptability to the new ways of working. I would think these are some things that I would keep in mind as I'm thinking through my holistic benefits program is to ensure that it encompasses all of these. Going through your history, I noticed that you've also worked with very large companies and right now you're working with in a startup, although they are unicorn status. Do you see any difference in the kind of uh, employee welfare that is being rendered between an MNC and a, versus a startup? In conversation with my founder, and we talk about this often, is how do you ensure that in everything that you do, there is a certain degree of authenticity? And I think that was my biggest learning in working with the startup, not to say that programs with larger companies are not authentic. It's, I think the authenticity comes from the standpoint that whatever we do, and I think that's one of the things that I said earlier in the conversation, has to be related. I, I can go around and benchmark benefits and launch a benefits program only because the market is doing X, Y, and Z, but it may not be relevant to my internal ecosystem at all. So I think the first and the foremost is to make sure that whatever you're doing comes from a certain degree of a need and an authentic need that exists within the system. And I think most of our benefits, to be honest, Adrian, and most startups, especially the early startups, would start with more conservative benefit programs and they evolve basis what is it that their employees need. And I think that was my biggest need, biggest learning. I also think large companies, and I've been with very many, and I can't blame them. We've been present in some of my previous companies and about 50, 60, 70 countries. How do you ensure that the benefits program that you're implementing is it touches every person across all of those markets? And I think one of the things that I have learned is we use a more decentralized approach on the benefits program here with our startups, given that we are present in multiple countries and multiple cities. Trust me, what works for a large city in a country may not apply to a smaller city in the country. So how do you make sure that it's relevant it, it actually touches the person to the extent, the intent of the benefit is actually helping the person at the ground level. And I'm, I would say that's probably been my most biggest learning working with the startup. And in assessing the relevancy of all these employee benefits and employee welfare program, what is the level of involvement from your employees in relaying across to you the kind of support that they need? Because bearing in mind, some employees may just bite the bullet and just endure whatever they don't have. Are there regular pulse survey to understand? Are there focus group, et cetera, to ensure that whatever you put out there is really truly relevant for them? Extensive, Adrian. We run our employee and we call them the ENPS surveys, which is an employee um, net promoter score, which ironically is fantastic for a startup. Our ENPS scores are extremely encouraging. And, and I wouldn't say that's how we started out. Our every ENPS that we run every quarter, we ensure that whatever feedback that we receive is actually implemented in, in a matter of priority. And to be honest, my pet peeve about pulse surveys is always this, do not run a pulse survey if you don't want to do anything about it, right? So we do that regularly. And I think that's an indication of why our pulse looks that great. We also run multiple touch points with our employees and we de decentralize some of them. So we allow the business leaders in their own respective cohorts to run employee surveys. And we have a couple of platforms which are open forums and these are ask me anything forums where employees can ask any question it could be related to the platform it could be related to our business model it could be related to to the processes or employee benefits and we take all of that very seriously and ensure that we go back with the response 
either with a changed benefit or then we at least get back to the employees in, as to why we can't do it if we can't do it now. When it comes to power survey, there will always be that small minority that may raise certain things that doesn't really resonate. So perhaps a guy who insisted that, oh, every one of us should be chauffeured to work, supposed to go back to office. How do you ensure that this person is hurt, but at the same time, not to bend over backwards and create that kind of situation where you want to put things out that just doesn't make sense for everyone? Yeah, and we have multiple of those requests, right? People would want a dispenser where they can actually dispense of electronic products free of cost if they had to, right? So, so the demands can be anything. And and like I said earlier, Adrian, is we use our employee communication platforms. We do an all hands with the once every quarter. But every leader has different all hands with their respective employees in cohorts. And Wherever the feedback comes in from, we have a very open display of what the pulse is looking. What are the areas that we've worked on and the ones that we can't because it's either not a priority for the company or because at this point in time, it's not making sense. And if it's unreasonable, then it is unreasonable. And we, we tell people that this is unreasonable and we can't, we can't act on this right now. So I think the communication channels are very open. Also, maybe because of the size of the general aging, age of population in the company, it's people are very okay to walk into any manager's room and ask them for whatever they think is right. And I think that the channel of communication, keeping it open, has generally... Moving ahead, what do you foresee to be some of the upcoming employee benefit or employee welfare trends looking at what are going on in the market right now, especially how competitive many of these startups, as well as MNC, coming into the game by throwing things left, right, center in order to attract not just candidates, but also to retain their existing ones? Yeah, I would say, and I wouldn't really limit this to just benefits, but I think what would really differentiate a company from the other I think things people would care about most is flexibility. I think there's enough more and said in the market about flexibility of work, wherever you can work from. And barring our roles, which are actually required to be on ground or customer facing roles, we actually give the flexibility to our employees to work from anywhere. Some of them have chosen to go move back uh, to their um, home countries um, or home cities and they work from there. And that's okay. To the extent it doesn't disrupt work, I think that's one. Two is I think more naturally and, and hygiene is going to be of paramount importance, I think, for all employees across the world. And I think the pandemic has shaken everybody up. And I think people would care about what health benefits and general hygiene conditions that a company is able to extend itself to. Um, it, this is subtle. I've been reading up a little bit in terms of what other companies are doing and what's happening around the world. I think how companies give back to the society or an ability to just be positioned as an employer that's caring will matter, will matter to employees. And I think, and I don't mean CSR for the sake of doing CSR, but I think just noble and well-thinking and well-intended company will probably see itself having a longer runway than companies that are here for the short term. And I think more at an employee, employee standpoint, extension or ability to tap into different digital platforms to stay connected will again, and to the extent we are able to extend that as a benefit, to employees. We've actually done that for a handful of our employees where we've given them home office setups, given them extension to our digital platform so that they can stay connected. I think all of these things would matter. Thank you so much for sharing with us extensively on how to plug the new employee welfare gap. For people who are interested to learn more about yourself as well as your company, where can they go to? Livespace.com and we have a Singapore platform as well as uh, India and a Malaysia platform. You should absolutely go tap onto the Livespace platform and if you're doing up your homes, absolutely use our services. That would be great. 
uh, to know more about me, you can find me on LinkedIn as Jyotita Bodar. All this will be added into the show notes. Jyoti, thank you so much for speaking with us today. I really enjoyed my conversation and appreciate your time. Thank you. Likewise, thank you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. You can refer to the show notes for links to more information about our guests and their businesses. If you enjoyed this podcast, it will be helpful to give a review on iTunes or follow me on Spotify. If you are using Overcast, please hit the star button under the episode. That will help get this episode and podcast out to more people who may find it useful. I'll see you in the next episode of The Agent Han Show.